This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. We're happy to say that Veridesk is a proud sponsor of the Fit Bottomed Girls podcast and our go-to choice for an active workspace. Veridesk quickly and easily transforms your desk into a standing desk, and you can try it all risk-free for 30 days with free shipping both ways. Find out more at veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Today, our special guest interview is going to be Andrea Renee. She's a fascinating woman. And Kristen, on the line today, let me just say this. We have FBG Jen. What up? And we have FBG Kristen. Hey. And you both really wanted to bring some extra special people onto the show lately. And Kristen, I understand that you really, really wanted Andrea on the show. She was a fascinating interview. You and I got to speak to her the other day, and it was so, so interesting. Please tell us why you wanted her on the show. Yeah, so you know, this this is about the political and social climate in which we currently live. Um and let's not mince words, like that's what this interview is about and this is it's about, you know, being being socially aware and um you know, if you're if you're able being a good ally, ally standing up for the people who maybe don't have the opportunity to do so for themselves. And as I've been really exploring the best ways to do this as you know as a very privileged white woman one of the things that has and one of the things I've learned but one of the things that's really struck me is the importance of of taking action and doing work and learning what that means without placing the burden of learning about that on the people who are marginalized or on the very people who we want to help because people of people of privilege and when i say privilege we're going to get into privilege in this interview um when i say privilege i don't mean you know that you're wealthy i don't mean that you you know or if you are i don't mean that you didn't work for it you know i i've worked my butt off to be where i am but i also fully realize that i started off at a different point than so many other people so the people who who do come from a place of privilege and if you really look at it a lot of us do you need to take the initiative to just learn what you can and i i came across andrea renee because she was out there offering to have that conversation which is different than just going up to you know your friend who happens to be of color and saying hey how do i help you know the there are a lot of ways to learn outside of just asking people who aren't necessarily offering up that conversation so so anyway so that's why it was important to me to have her on here was because she was coming you know she was out there saying like yes I want to talk about this I want to I want to help you help to make a difference and so really what what I wanted to do was give her our platform because what we need to do and you know like what I need to do again as a white privileged woman um you know and I mean, we can go on and on. Like, uh, I'm college educated. I, you know, I have a lot of, uh, you know, I, I'm physically able to do pretty much what I want to do. Sometimes what you need to do is just listen. And it is really important that when someone, you know, in a marginalized community is offering to to talk and share their experience that you do just listen. You don't talk over them. You don't try to explain what they're saying to somebody else. Like, no, let them say it. They're explaining it. They don't need you to come in and re-say what they just said unless they ask you to. And the other really big thing that I find super, super challenging is holding back the urge to add to their experience mm-hmm. or to compare or, you know, like you commiserate, right? Like someone says, oh, you know, my, um, you know, outside of this realm, like, oh, you know, my dog is, has, has cancer and I'm really upset about it. And like the natural thing to do is to think back in your brain and think about the time when your dog was sick so that you can, you know, you can be there with them and you can hold that space with them. But you know what? 
I can't hold the same space that Andrea Renee has held. There's no possible way for me to have had that experience. All I can do is sit back, listen, acknowledge the fact that she's had that experience and that she's sharing it with us. And at the end, you know, offer offer my my support to help her keep from having it again or to help other people you know, keep them from having another negative experience or offering my voice or my presence or my body or, you know, my podcast to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I will stand up when I see those things happening. Maybe you didn't know that certain aspects of privilege were taking place. Maybe you, maybe you didn't realize that this thing that you've been saying or thinking or doing forever is actually oppressive. But when you do, when you've heard it, now you get to move forward and do it differently. So I'm going to go ahead and step down from my soapbox. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, but that was so well said. So I like it. Thanks. Um, but so with, with that in mind, though, I would love to know if, if you guys have had things come up that you've found really challenging or have maybe found surprising or learnings that you've had that you think maybe our, our listeners would you know, maybe they'll either be surprised by or could learn something from. So I'll go first if that's okay. Yep. As you were talking, Kristen, a memory popped into my head and it's something I kind of banished because I was embarrassed about it. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it came back like, oh yeah, I did that thing. So it was about 10 years ago and I was working on a series of books about autism and specifically about Asperger's syndrome. And I remember writing a press release for this, for this woman who's describing about how she has Asperger's and she's actually okay with it. And I wrote about it like she had some horrible disease. It was so condescending. Like she has to go through this and that. And isn't it awful what she goes through? And she was very nice about coming back to like, I don't feel sorry for myself. I like the way my mind works. It makes me do this, this, and this differently. I understand it's got its challenges, but it also has its positives for me, and it gives me the life that I want. And I remember I kind of like, oh, right. I thought somebody, because they were different from me, it, you know, just automatically assume it's lesser than. And I, oh, to this that's day, so powerful. yeah, I'm red-faced just talking about it. I'm just so embarrassed. But it was, you know, I, d- I didn't know better, you know, and I but didn't know you're... until somebody, you know, put me in my place. And it was a hard lesson to learn, but I learned it. <laughs> when you when you know better, you do better. Yeah, the, exactly. The Oprah, the Oprah line, I think. God, I feel like this is going to become like the confession, <laughs> like having like podcast confessions right now. <laughs> um, I ruined Christmas last year. <laughs> no. I literally, yeah, I literally kind of ruined Christmas with my family. So, and we talk about, it's so funny too, because um, the timing, like this time of year, um, is the same time where like where the election happened and I can just feel as the air kind of changes and God, I feel like I'm having like post-traumatic stress, um, from last year after the election yeah. now I'm like, huh, shudder. But, um, I didn't, I didn't deal with it, uh, very well, like a lot of people. And I think a lot of that again has to do with a lot of privilege and that, you know, you can go about your world thinking everything's fine. Um, when you're white basically, but yeah, um, I had some a very emotional outburst with family members, and it was it was intense. And it's not it it was not handled well on any side, <laughs> mm. but um, there was just a lot of lessons learned there for me. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, um, you know, there is a way to stand in your truth, speak your truth in a way that is not I mean so inflammatory that it ruins Christmas and that's what I am very interested to hear this interview because I know you guys kind of get into what how to have those conversations when to have those conversations and I mean I think that's still advice that I would like to to learn from um but yeah because sometimes it is it is really hard to have a difficult conversation you know and some That's lessons are really sure. hard to learn, you know? Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I don't even really have a full takeaway from it yet. So <laughs> I'm hoping she can yeah. help me so that I don't ruin this Christmas. <laughs> yeah. She was very helpful. Well, and, oh, I'm sorry, Kristen. Go ahead. 
Oh, no, please go ahead. I'm sorry. In the, you know, you and I talked in this interview and you said, Margo, I love, really love that question you asked. And you'll know when you hear it. But um, I forgot to mention to Andre Renee, like, you know, it's easy to kind of say, oh, I don't have certain people in my life because, you know, I don't if I don't like something, I don't have it. I'm one of those people I work with the general public. I'm a teacher. I teach all kinds of people. So it, I have a hard time sometimes because sometimes people will say something. I, I, I think I know a person making air quotes. And then they say mm-hmm. something or do something or offer an opinion about something that's like a slap in the face. And, mm-hmm. and I can't tell them to F off or whatever because that's not what I, you know, I can't do it. So, you know, how do you not internalize it in a harmful way but learn how to manage that? So that's why I was really glad she asked that she was able to speak to that today. Yeah. Go ahead, Kristen. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got nothing. Okay. Well, the, end, away. the end of the confessions. <laughs> the confessional is now closed. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we've all had our, our moments. And, uh, we, you know, here's the thing. We're going to have more, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I mean, it is. That, that is part of, like, being, I mean, being brave. I mean, it is better to do something and mess up than to not try at all. Right? I guess yeah. also learn from it. Be, be, you know, have enough yeah. humility to know when you're learning a lesson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, in terms of having people, um, having people in your life, you know, we're in this interview, we're going to get into the idea of calling in versus calling out. And um, I really encourage everyone to, to make the effort to have people in their lives who will, in my case, I strongly prefer um, being called in, which is a more private mm-hmm. experience <laughs> because I hate being awkward and I hate being wrong, as does everyone. But I do have a number of people in my life who are, they are very socially active and aware. And they're, you know, I mean, there are, there are terms that Andrea Renee uses in, um, in our interview that, quite frankly, were, were unfamiliar to me. And so then I'm thinking back in my brain, I'm like, how many times have I tried to get across that same idea and used the incorrect words or used, you know, said things in a way that could be hurtful to someone else without meaning that at all. But, you know, when you have people in your life who, who will take you aside and say, hey, you know what, I, I noticed you saying this or doing this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know you didn't mean anything by it, but I just want to let you know that there's a better way for you to, um, to get that idea across or to interact with with whomever you know sometimes those are really uncomfortable interactions because somebody's telling you that you're wrong and that maybe you you hurt someone or were insulting um and a lot of times it's when you thought that you were being like you know righteous and great and and helpful <laughs> and you totally weren't so i you know i encourage you to to be okay with having some of those uncomfortable interactions and learning from them and trying not to take it personally, like you guys were saying, like trying not to too deeply internalize it. But, you know, I mean, take the, take the lesson away and go forward and then have the strength and, and the compassion, hopefully to tell other people in your lives when you notice those things. Um, If you can do it in a kind way, that's wonderful. Sometimes, you know, I, I would say like sometimes darn it doesn't work. So you have to take things up a up a notch. So I I hope that this interview leaves you guys feeling stronger and braver and um and ready to stand up for the things in which you believe because it it really did for me. It absolutely did for me and I'm I'm so happy and pleased that to be able to present this interview for you guys. And Jen, I wish you were there with us. We we had a really great discussion. But, I know. Um, I can't. I can't wait to listen. Yeah. So let's just go, slide right into it right now. Here is our interview with Andrea Renee. Did you know that being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health, reduce back pain, boost energy, and increase both your metabolism and your productivity? True story. And our favorite way to get those benefits is with Veridesk. See for yourself at veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I desk.com. Andrea Renee is a vision-led facilitator and coach who believes that together we rise. She is deeply committed to doing her part in cultivating a world that works for everyone and does so by placing her work at the intersections of personal growth, social justice, and conscious business. 
As the creator of Coaching as Activism, she supports people doing transformative work to deepen their impact by taking a critical look at how their work and lives are connected to social change. As the co-founder of Whole Self-Liberation, she offers and uplifts practical tools, resources, and wisdom for those who want to make change in their lives and communities. As a coach and consultant, she works with entrepreneurs, businesses, and organizations that want to be more inclusive and impactful. She's a huge fan of the hashtag Black Girl Magic, Sunsets, and Veggie Burritos. Welcome to the show, Andrea Renee. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are so excited to have you. And so today it's me, FBG Margo, and on the line we have FBG Kristen. Hi, guys. Hey, so I, I'm lucky enough to ask you the first question. So when you're coaching, you are often asked why the world is in the state that it is in and how we can heal within that chaos. But you would rather focus on the question, how can I live, work, and grow in a way that supports and contributes to social change? So can you talk about that for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I like to focus on like where we have the most power. And I think we have power in a lot of places. We have a lot of different kinds of power that we don't recognize. <laughs> um, we, we often like look at the world and we're like, wow, this is this, there's so much happening. There's so much suffering. There's so much pain. These problems are so big. They've been here for forever and it's overwhelming. It's makes you feel hopeless, powerless, and, and every other like sad feeling. And I, I truly believe that we each have things that we can bring to uh, our communities and to our world that can help advance our <laughs> our current state. And so, yeah, I like to focus on, you know, where where do you have influence and how can you how can you use that influence to make the world a better place, especially for the people that you know, get the brunt of the pain and the suffering in this world. So that's, uh, that's what I like to f- focus on the most. Um, because when we start to, when we start to focus on bigger than that, and we start to take on more responsibility than is, is ours, that's what feels crushing. That's what feels like I can't, I can't do anything. Like I'm um, frozen because we, we tend to, especially women, <laughs> um, especially people that are femmes, like we tend to take on so much more of the weight of, of making this world a better place because we're conditioned to do so. We're conditioned to take care of <laughs> X. And so when we do that, it goes against, <laughs> we're working against ourselves. So, Oh, I'm just, I'm over here just like nodding. I wish this is one of those times when I wish we had a video so that you can <laughs> see it. Cause I'm just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, that, that feeling of being frozen is something that I think I, I would be surprised if anybody listening to this can't relate to that. So social change and interchange are strongly connected, but you, you've also talked about, um, kind of taking back the saying, be the change you want to see in the world, because mm-hmm. it's not just about changing yourself. So can we talk a little bit about how doing the work on yourself does and how it doesn't help affect change. Mm. Okay. So <laughs> I think what, when people say be the, be the change right now in this, in, in our current reality, what they're often referring to is things like self-love, self-care, you know, appreciating yourself, uh, growing yourself. And it doesn't have any, social context. It doesn't have any um, analysis of what needs to be changed. We're, we're just like, I'm going to be the change. I'm going to like ripple out love and, <laughs> and light. And, but there's, there's no real analysis of like, these are the things that are problems in this world. Why are these things happening? How am I contributing to these things? And how can I change the way that I'm being so that I can actually be the change? And that is such a scary thing for so many people to ask themselves because they really don't want to, they don't actually want to know. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah, we all want to be good people. We all want to um, think that we are, you know, helping the world. And 
for the most part, like that's true. But at the same time, every single one of us on this planet have also contributed to people's pain and to to these like larger systems that are also contributing to people's pain. So, you know, it's it's part of being human. And and when we can't own that, when we can't even like tap into that and and be with our humanity and our complexity that we are both good and bad good and bad like really don't even <laughs> exist like they're they're constricting and oppressive ideals but if we want to talk about good and bad we are both of those and we are everything in between and everything outside of it so we have to be able to to be with that to really be the change as well because <laughs> um, we can't just you know sit with the the our fallibility are the ways that we um we hurt people, the ways that we hurt ourselves, the ways that we have um, contributed to to the suffering in the world. We can't really move anywhere from that. If we're if we're denying it, if we're sweeping it under the rug, um, if we're not feeling it, it's just gonna stay stuck. Just like any other feeling. <laughs> like if we if we have like just some general trauma or some um you know, large emotional experience, like, unless we, like, really let it express itself or, like, really, you know, process it and, um, you know, go through that whole experience, it's going to stay stuck in our bodies. And we have, we are a constipated society (laughs) Um, (laughs) because we don't let ourselves feel. So... So you wrote in your blog about how privilege has to do with leadership and how one needs to unlearn that privilege in order to grow as a person. Can you please talk about that a bit? So privilege. <laughs> I want to like say first that um, often when privilege comes up in conversations, people get defensive. People say, like, I, you think I haven't earned what I am currently, like, what the life that I have right now. Um, and privilege isn't, isn't about that. It's about... It, acknowledging the position that you're in in society and how because of the things that we learn about what it means to be a certain skin color, what it means to be a certain body size, what it means to be a certain gender, we have access to different things than other people. And so it's not a attack or a um, invalidation of the the work that you've done in your life. It's not at all really about you, <laughs> although it is. It's not a, a personal thing. It's uh, analysis of what's happening societally, what's happening in our institutions, um, in our schools, in our governments. What's what's happening collectively. So when we're able to recognize the privileges that I have, like for, to to ground it, I guess, you know, I'm a young black woman that (laughs) I, um, I'm able-bodied. I have class privilege. I'm what some would call neurotypical. Um, and so some of those things, the black fat woman, I, I experience, life differently and I experience a little bit more pain than um, people that are say white thin and male but then I also am able-bodied and I experience life way differently than people that have physical disabilities and and I'm neurotypical and I have experienced the world way differently than people that um, are neurodiverse you know when I'm able to see that I'm able to to really access more of my power and be able to consciously use it to benefit not just myself, but to benefit especially the people that don't have that that access to that kind of power, um, and and work to level the the playing field as best as I can. And so I think you know, for when we're in like leadership positions, whether that's in a family or in a, uh, a business a organization, um, any, any place where we have, you know, positional power, being aware of that power, being aware of the ways that we have influence that other people don't and using that influence to 
make sure that the people that don't have access to that privilege aren't forgotten, aren't, aren't continuously left at the margins of, of our minds, of our society. And just, it's like a, it's, seems like a small thing. <laughs> it seems like, you know, what, what am, what am I just one person? How am I going to, to change things? But just the action of, of like, if you're going to a, a con- um, not a concert, going to a, a conference or um, some kind of event and there are speakers there and you only see uh, white presenting able-bodied thin people speaking, questioning that no matter what your, (laughs) no matter what your background is, like questioning, like, where's the diversity here? It's not a bad thing that like all these, all these white able-bodied people, thin people (laughs) have things to say, but what about people that have different life experiences? What do they have to say? And, and what happens when we only host events where the specific type of person is, is amplified and we don't listen to other people. Um, so I'm rambling, but <laughs> no, you're not. That's fantastic. Really? Okay. So that actually leads into a, this is kind of a long question. Bear with me here. So like the three of us here today, I think that we're at least reasonably well aligned in terms of the cha- the changes that we would really like to see and create in the world. And we can see the injustices that really infuriate us. And that's awesome. We're in our nice little cozy bubble here. In real life, and even or maybe even especially on social media, that's really not the case, like at all. And, you know, like, you know, you're talking about speaking up when you see those injustices, or, you know, when you see just a lack of representation. You were speaking about, you know, the importance of speaking up when you see something like a lack of representation. It's one thing to speak up and call someone out who's blatantly speaking in like harmful ways and promoting some sort of injustice. Or, you know, when you're at a big conference, it's, you know, clearly got money and power behind it and you see a lack of representation or a lack of diversity. It's different when it's someone who you know, or maybe it's someone who, maybe it's somebody you know well, or someone you love, or maybe it's someone who is just kind of passing, but tightly woven enough within your social circle or your family circle that your interaction with them matters in ways Mm -hmm. beyond that conversation. Perhaps they make a comment or do an action that's less overt, but it still perpetuates some sort of oppression. And I think, at least for me, like the more I learn about this, you know, and the more, even the more terms I I learn, um, you know, using um, neurotypical, things like that, not everybody is aware mm-hmm. of that. And so they may use other terms, meaning no harm, but still causing harm. So let's, you know, let's just say like you're, and this is not an example for anybody listening. This is something that I just came up with because I didn't want to name anything, but let's say your friend from elementary school, you know, her mom who always made you cookies after school and is just like, you know, you could call her with anything that you need. And Maybe she says something to you or says, make some comment on Facebook that just makes you go like, oh, girl, no, 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 no. Mm. What are your thoughts and advice on how to navigate those situations? I mean, do you engage? Do you engage publicly, privately? Are there times when it's best to just avoid and know that, like, there are some people who mean well and aren't going to change? Mm. And I know that that is such a heavy multi-part question, but I don't know how (laughs) else to ask it without going into the full thing. So. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that example actually Friday morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that example actually like <laughs> resonates with me because I actually have uh, something similar happening in my life. But I think it depends on on the relationship and how comfortable or or how vulnerable you've been in the past with with um, one another. But I do I, I like overall. I do think that we should absolutely hold the people that are closest to us accountable to to the ways that they're being in the world and and if they're doing harm, even in like the smallest way, just with language or um, that that it has such a big impact. Holding people accountable, but holding people accountable can look very different depending on the relationship, right? Like I and and 
and on what you can take. Because it's one thing for, say, someone who is uh, trans or non-binary and doesn't use the the pronouns like um, she, her, um, he, him, they, them. They don't use the pronouns that people tend to project onto <laughs> that our society, you know, like collectively, when, when we think that we see a woman, we say she, her. When we think that we see a man, we say he, him. Right. Um, and when we don't know or, or there's a group of people, we say they, them. If it's a person that is that that uses, for example, they, them, and maybe presents as like what's what some would say a woman, and they have to go through their lives and and especially with their the intimate relationships they have with people, whether it's family or just community people, friends that have a really hard time using the right pronouns. For that person, it's it's like being in a space of, of abuse and neglect constantly. And so for that person, it, it might be cutting that, cu- cutting them off or, or finding ways to protect themselves from, from that, like the, those tiny little microaggressions that, you know, they're not quite micro and they are aggressive <laughs> to, to just like our, our sense of self, you know, so it might look like, for, for any person, it might look like, you know, cutting someone off saying, like, I'm not going to engage with you if you continue to be this way around me. It could be, you know, calling in someone and and saying, like, hey, can we talk about this thing? It's been, like, really irritating me. Or I found out that it's really hurting this friend of mine. And I, I noticed that you were doing it. And so, like, I like, can we talk about this? It could be... Well, and, and the calling in is what my go-to <laughs> but yeah. it's also I I think the the calling in and and the calling out which is more of a, a blatant like don't do this in a public <laughs> um in a public way like saying stop very publicly I think all of these different different ways of approaching this are our strategies and some need to be used some work better in certain situations than others so you know, I might start out calling in someone. I, um, in my own relationships, I've started out like just having conversations with people in private about things. And then, you know, when I when I start to see that, like, oh, it's not really like latching on. They're not really getting it. They're not really committed. Like, then I go publicly <laughs> and say, like, no, you can't. Like, you can't be saying these things. And I think I think each one works in different ways but I think each one is valuable because there's there's a lot of conversation going on especially in like the spaces that I'm in around the the effectiveness of calling out people um and the and the shame and guilt that comes along with it um and I'm of the mind that guilt and shame have purposes yes we we overdo it drastically (laughs) in our in our society and we do not have a healthy relationship with shame or guilt, but they are they are purposeful and they tell us when we've done something wrong. <laughs> they tell us when we need to change, when we're hurting people and we, we can't live life without that. Anywho, <laughs> I think, you know, when when it's someone that we're close to or someone or even if it's like a boss or um, someone when, where the relationship is a little bit more, I want to use the word tenuous. I don't know if that one works there, but <laughs> like there's, there's a little bit more like sensitivity in the relationship. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And you kind of have to, you, it's a personal choice. You have to choose like, what is an in integrity with you? What feels aligned with, um, with your values and, and, and your vision for how you want to show up in the world and how you want to, um, who you want to be around. So I don't, I, I don't want to like downplay, like it's super hard. It's very hard <laughs> to, to, you know, be aware of, of all of these things and all of the like little nuances in the ways that, that harm happens. And then to, to see it happening in the people around you and to be like, no, 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 <laughs> no, don't do that. It's really hard to be in that position. Um, but I think we have a lot of opportunity 
and responsibility to take that opportunity to to shift some things. So, um, and it doesn't happen in all like one, you know, it won't happen in one conversation, right? Like, right. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with my dad um, about privilege and and a lot of arguments <laughs> and it's happened in like multiple conversations and you know what we've we've gotten to like some kind of understanding but like with with everything you know it's a relationship so like if you're presenting something new into a relationship it'll take some time <laughs> for it to like really sink in um depending on what kind of relationship it is so i have a particular frustration when i'm trying to talk about current events with people and someone will just dismiss it as talking politics you know, and, and just wanted to change the conversation. It's, it's so frustrating to me. It just happened to me recently and I was so angry, but how do you handle those kind of interactions? Oh, I don't have those kind of interactions much anymore. <laughs> um, <That's awesome. laughs> I've, I've kind of, I think I've like, not to call people weeds, but I've weeded out <laughs> the, the, the people just by, you know, especially online, like just by showing up and, you know, people will self-select themselves either into my space or out of my space, depending on what I'm talking about. So, (laughs) which is, which is great. But I think that our aversion to political conversations is uh, a symptom of how individualistic, especially, especially the U.S., is and possibly like the UK and Australia as well. We are so disconnected from the ways that we are connected. <laughs> we, we are so far off from really understanding that politics politics isn't just what happens in our government. It's not just Republican, Democrat voting. It's it's about the state of our our society, the state of our of our country, of our communities. It's about how we how we relate to each other on the individual level. It's about how institutions relate to us, how our culture relates to us, about how our government relates to us. It's it's all about relationships. <laughs> it's all about the ways that we are connected. And so when I um, when I hear that come up, that like I don't like to talk about politics, I like to keep politics out of my business. I like to keep politics out of like my my relationships and my family. My first question is like how, <laughs> how how that's yeah. it's it's a very privileged place to be in to be able to say I don't engage in politics because you know I have a choice, but I don't really have a choice. If I really am in touch with what's happening to to the people around me and to what's happening to me what's happened to me over over my my life my short life <laughs> i can't i can't be disconnected from what's happening politically it it directly affects me the the things that happen in our country that relate to to black people that relate to um the sovereignty over our bodies especially for women and femmes and and trans people what what happens in 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 any facet of this of of this world directly connects to my experience of life so there's no way there's absolutely no way that i can say i i can't be political um i can't engage in political conversations right now because <laughs> it's it's ever present it's there it's just a uh, to be able to make that choice to to see the politics and say no I'm not gonna engage in that <laughs> um from from a privileged position because there are some people right that there are some people that hold marginalized identities whether that be they're disabled or um they're people of color or um, they're trans, et cetera, that will say, I'm not going to engage in that conversation right now for my own self-protection because I have to deal with this on a daily basis already. So I don't really want to talk about it right now. That's another thing. <laughs> but to say, oh, that makes me uncomfortable. I'm not going to talk about that. That That's a no. I have a no for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I'm so glad that you tied it back to the privilege conversation because yeah I've never heard that from a person of color or a person who I would consider you know truly marginalized I've heard that that excuse from you know pretty much from white people yep 
which and you know for anybody listening if if you have not seen my picture yeah i'm a, i'm a blonde white girl like this you know this is not a secret but it's uh, this was margo that's like my favorite question you've ever asked i was so glad that that you had that in there can we talk about sex a little bit Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so whole self liberation did a webinar on the five patriarchal beliefs that keep you from owning your sexuality. And mm-hmm. of course, I don't want you to give everything away, but can you, can you talk a little bit about what some of those beliefs are and maybe how we inadvertently perpetrate those? Mm. Cause I don't, I want to own it. I, yeah. and I want, I want all of you guys out there to own your sexuality. I, I really think this is super important. So, okay, I think two of, of the the big ones, the big like foundational ones is one patriarchy, um, which is, you know, this, this, this ideology that is embedded within everywhere in our society, <laughs> that a specific way of being a man is superior to everything else. So patriarchy asks us to be very disconnected from our bodies. It asks all of us to be, whether it's it's a man, um, a woman, someone to, who's trans, non-binary, asks all of us to be disconnected from what's happening in our body, except for in certain instances. <laughs> like for men, you know, they're, they're, very, dis- they're very connected <laughs> to their penis. <laughs> yep. um, mo- a lot, well, they're, they're conditioned to, and, you know, not all men, of course, but... <laughs> You know, that's that's the that's the the stories that young boys are told is that, you know, it's okay to be connected to your body, but only in a specific way. You can't be connected to your emotions. You can't be connected (laughs) to like to to your heart and to your feelings and to all of those things. But if you're connected to like your strength and your like sexual organs, that's good. And and the same for women. What we're uh, we're taught that. We can't, we can't be too connected to our sexual organs. <laughs> we can't, but we, we should be, like, especially when, like, men are approaching us. And so just the, the story of, like, you have to be disconnected to your, your body and all of the conditions that are around that, all of the, but you can do it in this way or you can do it if this, like, if you're, if you're feeling this way, then you can do it, but only if you're in this specific context (laughs) it causes us to like have to shape shift and be very disconnected from our bodies and so that keeps us from like really fully being able to to express our our sexuality whether that means like our our sexual desires or our like sexual identity who who we love who we are attracted to who we are um, you know who we want to be with because if we're not connected to our bodies, then we, we can't really access that. And then the other one is that like sex is a taboo. As much as it's, I think it's become less of a taboo, <laughs> I think it's still very much like there's so much shame. There's so much fear. There's so much blocked around our ability to talk about, to talk about sex and to talk about everything that comes along with it. <laughs> and so... When we're when we feel like we can't talk about things, when we feel like we can't even think about things, so much of that repression and suppression and oppression, <laughs> it it's a cultural thing, you know. I think there are cultures that you know deal with deal with sex in different ways, and there's probably repression and <laughs> and suppression there too. But I think just generally in our in our world. It's it's something that is shameful to talk about or engage with. And even if you're the most sexually liberated person, there's still ways in which just navigating the world, you're told, no, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> no, you shouldn't be this way. Um, you need to change so that I can be more comfortable. Um, I have, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. So talking about the patriarchy and you're talking about your home life. So let's talk about your dad. And uh, he was a life coach, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's still coaching. He's been a coach 
my entire life, mostly. <laughs> so what's that like? You know, my dad was an engineer. I don't know what it would be like to have a dad as a life coach. What's that sort of like? What was that like growing up? It's funny. I wonder if you, <laughs> you might be listening to this right now. Because um, <laughs> I'm at his house right now. But um, it is so wonderful and so frustrating. <laughs> um, just because, like, there has has never... There's never really been a time where, like, I've been able to get away with, like, self-sabotage or, <laughs> or um, just, like, anything where I'm not really living into my, my, like, best self, I guess. And so, you know, I, I grew up, <laughs> I grew up reading all of the self-help books, especially when they were, like, tailored towards teens and, and girls and, and things like that. And the way that I see the world <laughs> is in that way. Like I, I see it, I see everything as a growth opportunity. Um, <laughs> I see everything as like a, a place where healing might be able to happen or, um, which is, which is great, but it also, <laughs> it's also abnormal. Um, <laughs> you know, like my, my friends didn't, that did not grow up in that kind of like mindset. And so I've gotten, you know, growing up, I've gotten a lot of comments that are like, wow, it's so great that you were able to start doing this work so young. And, um, <laughs> and, and like, yeah, but also like, it makes it really hard to relate to people that are normal. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I've had like with, with my boyfriend, who comes from a very different like worldview. <laughs> it's been very difficult just like how and how we like think about things and how we how we problem solve and how we like just c communicate with each other is very different. <laughs> so there's just it, there's pluses, lots of pluses and difficult minuses. <laughs> um but I think that comes along with you know, any way of, of growing up and, and learning about this world. But I wouldn't have it any other way, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned seeing so many opportunities to heal. What are, I mean, a lot of the things that we've talked about are gut-wrenching, heartbreaking. And, you know, as we're recording this, we are in the midst of just a hellish news cycle. How do you heal? What do you do? That's a good question. <laughs> I think I think the things that are that are most healing for me happen in relationship with people, whether and it's not necessarily like a healing of that relationship, but um like one of the things that I just I posted on Facebook uh, right before we we hopped on was that one of the most healing things that that we can do especially for people that that hold marginalized identities is to believe them when they say they've been hurt. And it's like such a small thing, <laughs> but to, to, to hear whether, whether you hold a marginalized identity or not to, to hear, I believe you when, when you're expressing your, like your reality, what, what's your experience, what's happening for you. Being able to hear that from another human being, especially if that being means a lot to you, is is one of those things that's really healing. And so I think for me, being able to share myself with with other people in my life and have them be a mirror for me and and be an affirming mirror <laughs> to say like what you're thinking is real, what what your your experience are is real what your feelings are is real <laughs> is, is something that's really healing for me. And then also that I, I think that what we were talking about earlier about accountability, like that's a, a really healing thing. It doesn't feel nice sometimes, most of the time yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't always, you know, like it's not heartwarming, but it's healing because it's, it's healing in a different way. It's, it's, I think it's healing on an individual level, but also, culturally and collectively like the more that we're able to hold our ourselves and each other accountable the i think the better this world will become <laughs> the more we 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 feel tied to each other 
and and recognize our interconnectedness that like so much healing can happen from that I also think that things like dance and and music and just like general movement of and, and connecting to the body can be difficult for some people you know based on like their their own experiences and and how they have learned to relate to their body but I think it can also be a an opportunity for us to to heal and even to connect more to this earth as well there's so many so many ways that healing can happen those are a few though I guess that I tend to lean towards when I'm feeling a certain kind of way or I'm stressing out about something or I've been called out about something (laughs) especially when it comes to making a difference the only way that we can do that is together so the the more that we can go to each other rather than try to heal in isolation while I think that's an important strategy (laughs) I think our our tendency to rely on I'm going I'm going to heal this in this in this isolated space I'm going to heal this in this um in this vacuum and then I'll go out into the world and be a better person that you know if we rely on that too much it becomes unhealthy um so Kristen do you have any more questions for her only about a thousand I know same here I know (laughs) I'm just like can we just like grab a coffee and go talk after this because I have so many so many things to to ask you and to and to hear from you because that's I also really love the point that you just made about just hearing people I that's something that I have been working on learning because I really like to try to explain it because you know I like words and I write and so I'm always like oh yeah you're what you're saying is this no what you said is just what you said and it was great mm-hmm. so no, Margot, why don't you take the very last very important question? So, Andrea, this is the most important question we ask for every podcast guest. Are you ready? Ooh, okay. Andrea, what was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling it was, um, <laughs> it, I think it was Work It by Missy Elliott. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Is it worth it? Let me work it. <laughs> <laughs> She's fantastic. Yeah, um, I think that's what it was. <laughs> that's a the fantastic answer. So I guess I just want to say, like, thank you so much for joining us today. And maybe we can have you on again with our thousand questions yeah, one day. I love that. Thank you for having me. Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitboundgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.